I need this. <laughs> I have it here, but, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit tells me to go right into something right there. So, in the words of Catherine Kuhlman, have you been waiting long? <laughs> okay, so, all right, now, <clears throat> how many of y'all used to watch Catherine Kuhlman on television? Right, that, she was amazing, wasn't she? Strange woman, strange woman. That's, <clears throat> my mother would get, uh, my dad would come in, he worked nights as a policeman. He worked 11 to 7 on Saturday nights, usually. And so he would get in about 8, 8.30. By that time, my mother and I would be up and really dressed, ready to go to church, or she would have to go to work. And so I'd be sitting there, and this is when I was 9, 10, yeah, 9, 9. And we, I'd be sitting waiting, and I'd get dressed for church, because the church that, if she had to go to work, the church I went to was across the street. If she didn't have to go to work, we went to our church, which was not the one across the street. So, but um, she would give me up, and I'd be, I'd have to sit there to wait till she got ready to go, or to go to work, or to go to church. And sometimes, you know, we'd be there for a little bit, and she would turn on the television, and I would sit there and watch Rex Humbard, then I'd watch Catherine Kuhlman, then Oral Roberts would come on. So by the time all that was done, I'm kind of like, why, why do I need to go to church? I've already watched. I've already been to all this. And so, but it was, uh, it was, I, didn't know, I didn't realize at that time what was being poured into me. And, you know, that stuff sticks with you. And so, anyway, uh, you can go through these scriptures with me. I'm going to go through them quickly. I'm going to try not to comment too much on each one or we'll just get hung up. But uh, I want to discuss... What I would say is, and this might be part one of several parts, but I want to discuss what I would consider a missing element in Christianity today. Now, when I say a missing element, I don't mean it's totally gone. I'm just saying it's no longer emphasized, and we tend to forget it. And this is one of those things that if it's not in your heart, you will only do it at church. Right? So... And so we, I'll tell you exactly what it is in a minute, but you'll probably pick up by these scriptures what we're talking about. So first scripture is Psalm 100, verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And then it says, Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Notice, enter his gates with thanksgiving, courts with praise, be thankful, 
Bless his name. Why? Because he's good. Isn't that right? That, that's a good enough reason. Now, if he never changes, and he doesn't, then that first part of what we should be doing should never change. Right? Okay. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It starts and says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You hear this? In other words, even the people out there that don't know God, you can see God in the universe and in nature. So you got no excuse. And really, this is Romans 1, so he's, Paul is just nailing them down saying, you got no excuse, right? Now, and actually, I don't know if you know it or not. Well, you probably wouldn't know. But my son-in-law uh, actually got saved reading this chapter, reading Romans and going into Romans. And when he said, when he got to the part where he said, uh, I think it's right here. Yeah, I'll just read it and then I'll tell you where it's at. But he said, they are without excuse. Verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Hmm, okay. But became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That's the part that got my son-in-law. This was before he was my son-in-law. And then he got saved reading that verse. And he said, that's me. And he got saved off of reading that. You'd be amazed at people. You know, everybody thinks the Gospel of John or different things. You'd be amazed at the people that get saved by reading Romans. Martin Luther, John Wesley, all those guys uh, came really to a, to a deeper knowledge, you might say, and even to salvation by reading Romans, right? So it says in verse 23, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Basically, it just said they had other gods and they started creating gods in the shape of these things and turned them into gods rather than, so they knew there's a God, but rather than worshiping God, they decided to make their own gods. So if you make your own God, then you can determine how to worship him. So in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, love, a love that gives without thinking of getting back, which is the bond of perfectness. You hear that? If you put on charity, that's the bond of perfectness, or we would say the bond of perfection. He says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. And look at this last part. And be ye thankful. He tells them to be thankful. You hear that? That's a command. You hear that? It's a command. It's not a good, just a good idea. Then in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Psalm 26, verse 7. I wanted to show you there were some New Testament verses. These aren't all Old Testament. And I'm just going to go through some very quickly. Psalm 26, verse 7. That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wondrous works. 
Psalm 50, verse 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Psalm 69, 30. I quoted this just a little bit ago. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving and thankfulness uh, can overlap. They can be the same thing. They're not always the same thing, but they come from the same heart. Okay? Psalm 95, verse 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Now notice it says to make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. You're going to see that what I'm talking about is closely aligned with joy. I'm not talking about joy per se today, but it is closely aligned with joy, right? In other words, if you don't have what I'm talking about today, you're not going to have joy. And if you have joy, you're going to be what I'm talking about today, right? That's just the way it is. So uh, people can see whether you have this or not by the joy that you exude or that you bring out. Now, Psalm 107, verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving, and declare his works with rejoicing. Psalm 116, verse 17. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and will call upon the name of the Lord. Psalm 147, verse 7. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp, of a, under our God. Guess we need to get a harp. We have to get a harp. <laughs> oh, we can just get one of those little ones. You know, the, you know that one? We can get one of them. That'll work, right? Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, so that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. You hear that? When you give thanksgiving, you bring glory to God. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, no, well, I'll go into verse 11. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us, Thanksgiving to God. You hear that? Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes us through, causes through us thanksgiving to God. So when we realize what we have in God through Christ, it should cause us to abound with thanksgiving toward God out of our hearts, which come out of your mouth. Listen, if it's in your heart, it comes out your mouth. If it ain't coming out your mouth, it ain't in your heart. Do you get that? If it ain't coming out your mouth, it ain't in your heart. Why? Because out of the what? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? So you can't say, well, you know, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm just, it's all in here. No, it's not. If you can't worship God, if you can't bring thanksgiving to God, then it's because it's not in you. And so that, that's a condition of heart. 
right? It's a state of the heart. So I want to talk about it, and you'll see here. Uh, what am I talking about? I'm not, remember, I said Thanksgiving is not actually it, but it's closely tied to it. What I want to talk about today, the missing element from what I'm seeing, and this is not an action, it's a state or condition of the heart, like I said, and that is simply this, thankfulness, being thankful, having a thankful heart, having a thankful attitude. Uh, if you're thankful in your heart, you're going to have joy because you're just thankful. You're just happy to be alive. You know, you're thankful that you woke up on top of the dirt, right? Because some people didn't. Amen. Let's be real. Uh, some people didn't wake up on top of the dirt today. So you ought to be happy just for the, the breath you take. No, uh, when I first sat down, actually sat down, I said, okay, God wanted me to bring out. And there were some things, and I was going to go that direction. God said, yeah, no, this is what you need to talk about. I'm like, okay. And then we saw how he aligned that with what uh, OJ was talking about today, what was talking about today. And so, because what he was talking about, the blessing. See, you can't really bless anybody if you're not thankful and have gratitude. See, we, we're missing that today. Uh, we're, we're in an entitlement mentality in the world. Everybody thinks they deserve everything. You know, I got shirts, T-shirts. Uh, I was taking some video, you know, because we're getting a gym set up across the alleyway there. And uh, I have this dummy in there. It's, it's a real dummy. It's not a person. It's a, it's a real dummy, okay? It's one that you, you hit on and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I, but he had no shirt. And so I put a shirt on him, put a T-shirt on him. And then I took some pictures and sent them to George. And George said, when I saw it, he said, that, that, that's a curry T-shirt right there. And I said, and I had to remember what shirt it was. And it's what it said. I was, oh, I was going to bring it out here. Because I went and took it off of him and put another one on. And, but the one, that, the one I took off of him says, of course your, mat your opinion matters. Just not to me. So, <laughs> so, so he said, that's a curry shirt right there. So, but the one I put on him is, it just says innocent bystander. So he doesn't, it's, it's the one I wear to riots and things like that. Just, just an innocent bystander standing there. So, but, but I do have a shirt and I, I get a bunch of shirts. So I've had, a, well, I have a bunch of t-shirts that I get from a, a company called Ranger Up. And it's actually from uh, Army Rangers and that kind of stuff, and they have it. And so one of them says, uh, contrary to popular belief, no one owes you anything. And that's in big letters, right? And so, I, yeah, I, I think I'm pretty much trying to find shirts that offend people. So, and, and I figured I could just solve all that, just wear a big old Trump shirt. Anyway, anyway that just <laughs> seems to offend everybody. <laughs> so, now, <laughs> tell them I was going to write that on a mask, because that way they would ask me to take it off. So, anyway, so, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, let's back in the scriptures here. Okay. Now, Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, or anxious for nothing is another way, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. See, we're, people are big on prayer, they're, they're big on supplication, they're big on asking for stuff. Uh, but it says with thanksgiving. So you, that means that your prayer can't be a begging, woe is me prayer. Because you can't do a begging, woe is me prayer with thanksgiving. So the thanksgiving has to be for the answers of the prayer and supplication you're given. So it actually tells you how to pray. That if you're going to pray, you should be taking the scriptures that God has where he's promised you things. 
and promised you what you're actually needing at that moment, and you remind him of it, bring it back to him, and then give thanksgiving for it, believing that you have received and you shall have. See, all the scriptures work together. Amen? So, now, it says, uh, be careful for nothing, anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, it says, let your requests be made known unto God. It doesn't say let your requests be known to everybody around you. Most people know what your requests are because you tell everybody. You know, and, and the way you tell them is by you telling them what you don't have. Okay? When you tell people what you don't have, that's called complaining. You got that? Okay? And you're going to see that what I'm talking about today, there is an exact opposite between thankfulness and gratitude on one side and complaining and murmuring on the other. They are exact mirror opposites, right? And if you're doing one, you ain't doing the other one, right? Isn't that simple? So what are we supposed to be doing? Having, giving thanksgiving, being thankful, having gratitude, right? Not murmuring and complaining, which is what caused the earth to open up and swallow up thousands and thousands of Israelites. Just a reminder, okay? So... <laughs> And I don't know if you know it or not, but there are a lot of fault lines in this earth. I mean, right near us. There's some all around. And, you know, everybody's waiting for the San Andreas one to open up. That could almost be fitting in some places, in some ways. <laughs> okay. But there's a lot of fault lines. So careful when you stand, where you stand, uh, when you start complaining and murmuring. <laughs> some things are just easier for God. Right? Okay. Anyway. You know, they said, I, I haven't uh, seen this study in a long time, but years ago we were looking at some of these things, and it says when Jesus returns, he's going to be on the, on the Mount of Olives at one point. He's going to come to the Mount of Olives, and the Mount is going to split. And you know, right at, not long, actually I think it was in the 80s, somebody have to go look back, but a major hotel chain was looking at putting a hotel on top of the Mount of Olives, but their survey came back and said, you can't. There's a major fault line running right through it. Isn't that something? So, all right, like I said, you know, God, God can do anything, but if it's already there, you know, why not take advantage of it, right? Okay, so, now, he says, let your request be made known unto God. Verse 7, now watch this. Now, now, notice, see, we put these numbers and it messes us up sometimes. But he just said, don't be anxious. Instead, but instead, you might say, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. If you do that, watch what will happen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's not a separate verse. That is part of letting your request be made known unto God with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. See, that's part of it. And if you, he, he says there, don't, don't be anxious. Don't sit around worrying and, as we say, you know, fretting, right? Uh, don't, don't worry and don't be nervous and all that. And it says, but instead... Let your request be made known unto God. How? Prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. And if you do that, the peace of God. You see, what? Because he just said, don't be anxious. So if he says, don't be anxious, and he says the peace of God will take care of your heart, then what does that mean? That means that those two verses are connected. Amen? He's telling you not to be anxious, and he's telling you how not to be anxious. And if you do these things, you won't be anxious, and the peace of God will take care of you. Amen? Do you, do you get that? And he says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, 
Whatsoever things are pure. Notice this all has to do with prayer. Whatsoever things are true, or what's it, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So there's your checklist. Before you open your mouth, okay, for you to speak it, you got to think it. Do you get that? You can't speak it until you've thought it. So if he tells us to think on these things, then he's telling us this, these are things that are supposed to come out. He said if these things are, if they're good and they're pure and true and good report and all that, he says if, if, if it's these things, think on these things. Now what's going to happen if you think on these things? You're going to speak these things. So you're going to speak things that are true, good report, honest. Isn't that right? Praiseworthy. All these things. Now, he goes on. Uh, well, we'll go to Colossians chapter 2. It's just another one. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 6, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. How many of you have received Christ Jesus the Lord? Say your hands. Okay, all right. <clears throat> so walk ye in him, right? So we walk in Christ. You've received him, now walk in him. What does that mean? Now here he's going to give you a description. Rooted, you hear that? Rooted, solid, unmovable, right? Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. You hear that? So if you're rooted, grounded, established, all of these things in the faith, if, you're, if you are these things, you've received Christ, then he says to walk in that way, and as you have been taught, and he says you're going to be abounding with thanksgiving. Notice thanksgiving keeps coming out. Keeps coming out. Why? Because you're solid in him. You realize how good he is. I'm telling you, you can, you can get around people, and in five minutes or less, you will know what's in their heart because what's in their heart is going to come out their mouth. And they are, it, listen, it's, it's, you know, real simple. A or B, right? Not, not multiple choice, either or. You got it? You're either going to be thankful and grateful and have gratitude or you're going to be complaining and murmuring and ungrateful, right? And unthankful. That's just the way it is. Now what? You can't be both. You can't say, well, you know, I got the joy of the Lord, you know, and I'm just thankful to the Lord. Uh, but, you know, I don't know why he doesn't bless me like he does so-and-so, and I don't know why. To... Okay, you realize that, that in, in the universe, that just messes things up. It's like, eh, you know, all of a sudden, it's like nails on a chalkboard. And it's like, eh. no, that's not right, right? Why? They don't go together. It's oil and water. They don't, you can't do those two things, right? It's just exactly what James talked about, about blessing and cursing coming out of the same fountain, out of the same mouth. Right? So, he says that you should be abounding therein with thanksgiving. Verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So, because you're in him, you know, believe it or not, okay, Jesus was, he didn't just bring a message. He was the message. Amen. Isn't that right? He didn't just bring good news. He was good news. Right. See, when, when he showed up, you know, there, I can't remember, and I, I know the New Testament pretty good. I mean, I've gone through it a few times, right? And especially the Gospels. And there's, it never really, it never says this. There was one time it came close to it. Maybe, well, actually twice. It came close. 
uh, once whenever he, they called him before Herod. And Herod said, do, do some miracles. Remember that? And they were saying, well, what about these? And he said, you know, and they were, and, but they never, there's never recorded of anybody saying, Jesus, preach to us. Preach to us. Let's hear your words. Preach. Now, they went to hear his words. They went to hear him preach. But there's no recorded thing where they said, preach to us. Now, I, do, I wouldn't doubt that it happened. There's nothing wrong with it, right? But it's amazing because when he showed up, the, most of the time they'd, they'd have mercy. Isn't that right? Which meant heal me or something, something good. Bless me somehow is what it meant. And he, Jesus even told him, said, listen, you guys are only staying because I fed you miraculously with bread. Isn't that right? He said, that's the only reason you come, for the miracles. He said, you're really not following me for the message. Think about that. But whenever he showed up, he was the message. So what did he bring? What is, we talk about he was an evangelist or, do, or being an evangelist or, you know, the evangel, right? What does that word mean? It's a Greek word or a transliteration from the Greek, and it means good news. When Jesus showed up, he was the good news. Why? Because if you were sick, you got well. Because you got healed. If you were blind, you got your eyes open. If you were hungry, you got fed. I mean, it's just amazing the fact that he was the good news. You get that? He didn't just bring good news. He was the good news. In his body, he was good news. Now, and, and think about this. <clears throat> For him to be that good news, you have to go back and read what he said. What he said, he, he never complained. He, he only gave thanksgiving unto God. He was only thankful unto God. He, and, and people would say things to him. He'd go, no, let's, let's give that to God. Glorify God. So over and over again, he, he embodied this. And if you're complete in him, then his DNA is in you. And if you, his DNA is in you, it's in you to be thankful. It, it, it amazes me today how people, listen, I see people, I hear people, and how they're, you know, you, you, number one, you look at how they live. And I'm talking about the, the conditions they're, they're living in. And I'm like, okay, I could, I could take a, about a two-hour flight maybe, three hours at the most, and, and show you people that would have a reason to complain. And not, it wouldn't take that long, actually. I mean, there's stuff here in the United States. But honestly, poverty in the United States is wealth in almost every other country. Right. 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 Yeah. See, they, for, for in many places in India, you're prosperous if you have two goats instead of one. I'm, I'm not making fun. I'm telling you, that's a serious thing. You go down to Haiti, and, 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 I, and you'll know real quick what real poverty is. See, here we have some poor people, but, and, and I'm not saying that it's in what they call a poverty level and all that kind of stuff, and I, and I get that, and we have hungry right here that we should be feeding just like we should be feeding them. And other, we ought to take care of our own, and it should be the, the job of the church, not the government. Because I'm telling you, whoever feeds them, wins them. And if the church keeps putting it off on the government, then the church ain't got a voice. And so... Uh, you know, we, we should be doing that stuff now. But you can see, but I hear people complain about stuff. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I remember when I was little, <clears throat> my cousins would come over. And my uncle was a Cajun. You know what a Cajun is, right? It's Louisiana Cajun, right? <laughs> David Hogan type Cajun. <laughs> kind of like that. And so I had cousins, and I'll never forget because my, my uncle uh, would... They had, I don't know, four kids, I think it was, and they would come to our house. And they, the kids, because I was the only child, so I generally got more than they did because there was four of them, 
right? So they had to split it up. So I, I was blessed, right? We weren't wealthy or any that kind of stuff, but, you know, people thought we were just because how we carried ourselves mainly, but we weren't. And, but we were good. I never went hungry and that kind of stuff. But these kids would come over and they would see the things I had. And then they would, <laughs> they'd, they'd play with the, the toys and stuff that I had. But then they would go talk to their parents. How come he has that and I don't have that? I, I, I want that. I should have that. I want that. And, they would always, and we're talking, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, up in that area. That was still going on. <clears throat> but it was so funny because I'll never forget my uncle. He'd go, they come in here, and one of them, I remember one time, broke down and started crying. I don't have this, and he has this, and I wanted me to. And my uncle said, what are you crying for? He goes, because he has it, and I don't have it. He goes, that ain't a reason to cry. Come here, I'll give you a reason to cry. <laughs> and honestly, that was the first time I'd ever heard that kind of statement. I'm like, what's he going to get him? You know, that was my first thought, you know. Then I found out when he took him out in the garage, and I could hear him out there, right? And you know, spanking in circles. You know what I'm talking about? Say, that's not just in one culture, that's in many cultures. And it's definitely in the Cajun culture, right? That's where they hold you by one hand and a belt in the other, and you go in circles. You know what I'm saying? And, you get, say, and the, the child gets exercised while it gets disciplined. Isn't that amazing? Two birds, one stone. Exercise and a whipping, you know, and, and discipline. So, but now, don't know how I got over there. But anyway, we'll come right back to this. <laughs> so, Colossians 4.2 says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. There it is again. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now we're going to get serious about some stuff, all right? 1 Timothy chapter 4. And, and, and you know, I figure I'm going to make somebody mad today. <clears throat> so if you get mad, just wave and I'll know I've done my job. And so, you know, no. I mean, I don't try to, but then I don't go out of my way not to. I'll just be honest with you. I just preach the word, and there you go. So, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Now, do you realize how strong a statement that is? Paul, I mean, he's driving that home. That is similar to Jesus, because you remember Paul was Jewish, but he had strong Greek uh, upbringing or, you know, I would say Greek training and that kind of stuff, along with Hebrew training. And because he quotes a lot of uh, Greek scholars and philosophers and things like that in the Bible. <clears throat> and here, writing to Timothy, when he says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that would be similar to Jesus saying, verily, verily, I say unto you. In other words, take note, I'm telling you, it's, it's like saying, thus saith the Lord, I am prophesying now. Right? That's kind of along those lines. He says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, and here's what the Spirit is speaking expressly. That in the latter times, how many of you know we're in the latter times? Okay. In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Some shall depart from the faith. Now, you can't depart what you were never a part of. See, you can't depart this building if you've never been in this building. Is that right? So the fact that some will depart the faith means that some will lose their salvation. Do you see that? Amen? Now people say, do you believe in one saved, always saved? Yeah, absolutely. If you want in and never want out, right? Then you can get in and never get out. I mean, you can do that, right? Now, is it a given? No. 
No, because, and I can, I can, there's over 500 scriptures that prove the opposite, right? And I don't have time to go into them today. And we can say, thank you, Lord. Okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I do have time. Just not going to do it today, all right? So, but here he says, some shall depart from the faith. How? By giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, do you realize these are Christians, that are going to be seduced by seducing spirits. They're going to be deceived, right? Because they're going to give heed to them. And doctrines of devils. You hear that? Devils have doctrines. Devils have doctrines. They have teachings. They have philosophies. They have vain philosophy. I just read a minute ago. And I'm in, I will tell you right now without any hesitation. And this is worldwide. Uh, we see it here because we're here and we see it around us a lot of times. And we thank God that we have not seen it necessarily here like you can see it around the country. But I'm telling you right now, in the world, there is specific seducing spirits that is at work right now that people are giving heed to. And there are Christians departing the faith. Why? Because they're giving heed to the news. They're giving heed to lies. They're being deceived and they're giving heed to it, and they're departing the faith. And honestly, they're, they're ceasing to be Christians, and they're becoming politicians, even though they're not in office. They're not elected anything, but they choose to follow politics more than they follow Christ. And right now in the world, there is this spirit, this seductive spirit, to try to cause war between everybody, to try to divide everybody, because the devil knows if he can divide people, he can beat them easier. If he can pe keep people isolated and separated, then he can pick them off one at a time. See, if we are to learn anything, we are to learn it from the National Geographic and the videos. It's the antelope that strays off by itself that gets eaten. <laughs> I mean, how many of you, you watch the video, you see the herd, they're nice, it looks like a bunch of Bambies, you know, they're all there, they're eating. And every second, you know, they raise up and they look around, they go back to eating, and they don't see the lion crawling through the grass. And then you got this one antelope, the, the herd starts to move along, and then you got the one antelope that's oblivious. He, he's not looking at the herd, he's looking down, he's standing there, herd's moving away, and he's not even paying attention. And as soon as you see that, or as soon as you see one stray a little further from the herd, you go, ah, that's gonna be the one, that's the one. You know that, isn't that right? You, you don't have to have an arrow on the television or anything pointing. Watch this one. You see that? You go, that's a dead one right there. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it separated itself from the herd. Why? Because there is strength together. But when you're separated and isolated, you're easy prey. As uh, Bishop Bill Hammond used to say, or probably still says, I imagine, uh, he said, it's the lone banana that gets peeled. Right? You don't peel the whole bunch. You peel one at a time. So there you go. So when there is a concerted effort around the world to isolate people, that's a spirit. That, that's not a political agenda. I'm not saying there's not a political agenda attached to it because there are spirits attached to political parties that cause them to believe certain doctrines of devils that becomes their platform. So there you go. But we've got a lot of Christians right now that, are, that can tell you more about politics than they can about Jesus. And more about the political parties than they can about Christianity and how it's supposed to be lived. And most of them are so steeped in fear 
that you would never hear the word of God actually come out of their mouth in anything but trying to prove their end time theory. There you go. Okay. Now, so he says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy. Okay, well, you can watch TV and start checking these boxes off, can't you? <laughs> Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now watch. Now, okay, now notice. He's talking about these situations, but now notice the specific doctrines he starts naming as doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. Because he gives a list right here. Look at this. Verse 3. Doctrine number 1. Forbidding to marry. Well, it's not a new doctrine. It's been in particular denomination for or particular group for some time. But it is getting stronger. And usually what you'll see when there is a end time craze going on. I'm talking about just a, a lot of, you know, talk about end times. And, I'm not, and again, I believe we're in the end times. I'm not even saying that it's not far off or that it is far off. Does that make sense? And so... Uh, all I'm saying, though, is that what you'll start to notice is people get crazy the more they think about end times and the more they start talking about it and the more they start trying to put these things together. They, and, and again, I'm not saying that it's not close or whatever. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that if you watch people, one of the things, for instance, uh, back in 1914, the Jehovah's Witnesses believed that the end was so close that they started forbidding people to marry. That's one of the doctrines. When you see the end, when you hear a lot of end times teaching, you'll see that. Well, don't, I can't just blame it on the, well, what the Job Witnesses did was most, many of them, the faithful, sold all their belongings and moved away into the mountains waiting for, you know, the end to happen. And it didn't. And eventually they had to come back in and get jobs and buy all their stuff back, right? And so, because they listened to a false prophet who was saying, this is it. Well, uh, but you can't just say it happened with just them because in 1906, uh, at, during the Azusa Street Revival, uh, William Seymour, head of the Azusa Street Mission, was preaching and they believed the end was near. And so he had other people come in and one woman came there named Florence Crawford, which was one of the leaders there. And William Seymour was unmarried when he got there and he met a young lady named Jenny Moore uh, that he was, as we would say, smitten. And uh, so they ended up getting engaged. And the reason he met is because whenever he went to a house on, uh, at 214 Bonnie Bray Street, uh, they, he went into the house there to where they had their first uh, Pentecostal services, and he started teaching on the baptism of the Spirit. Then a lady lived across the street named Jenny Moore. And so she came across, and there was a piano there at the house. Nobody there played the piano, but they had a piano. Anyway, so... <laughs> So she, they said, we need worship. And they said, well, uh, Jesus knows everything about pianos. And she, she said, well, yeah. And they said, well, uh, she said, I'll sit down and we'll just pray. Everybody laid hands on her. They prayed and said, Lord, teach her how to play the piano. And she started playing and played the piano for the next three years at the revival and wrote amazing songs and played music wow. by the Spirit of God. Amen? That's called accessing the mind of Christ. That's what she was doing. And so uh, William Seymour... Uh, fell in love with her, and hopefully she fell in love with him from everything I can tell. <laughs> but they ended up getting married. Well, before they got married, Florence Crawford, uh, now you have to remember, William Seymour and Jenny Moore uh, were black. 
Florence Crawford was white, and she had a daughter, and the her husband had really had nothing to do with the Pentecostal movement, didn't want anything to do really with Christianity much. And so she ended up separating from her husband. And whenever William Seymour was going to get married, she came out and said, nope, the end's too close. Jesus is coming. We ain't got time for marriage. You shouldn't get married. And really ended up splitting the Azusa Street mission because of that, because she took the mailing list and went to Portland, Oregon, and started the Apostolic Faith Church there in Portland, Oregon, took all the mailing lists, and then wrote out to everybody and said, if you're going to send your offerings, we've relocated, send it to this address. And so a short time later, the Azusa Street Mission pretty much was lost. I mean, it was, it, it, the, that was the beginning of the death of the Azusa Street Revival. And, but it was over this doctrine forbidding to marry. That's what caused the death of the Azusa Street Mission, right? Now, so uh, doctrines of devils. Now watch this. And commanding to abstain from meats. That word meats there is a Greek word, broma, and it means food, but it's specifically, uh, well, I can't say specifically, but it does go back to foods that were uh, forbidden under the old covenant ceremonial laws that certain foods were called unclean. Now, remember the story in Acts where Peter had the vision of the thing coming down with the unclean animals, and God said, take and eat. And he said, no, Lord, I won't do it. And he said, don't call unclean what I've called clean. Remember that? Well, now, so that was in the gospel or in the book of Acts. But then here, what had happened was they started telling people, abstain from meat. And the reason they were saying it predominantly was because of the ceremonial laws, right? Which meant that the meats had something to do with religion. Now, notice this. We're going to come back to this in just a minute. But it says here, uh, first doctrine, forbidding to marry. Second doctrine, commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be, to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. You hear that? So if you hear somebody telling you, abstain from meats, right? It is a doctrine of devils. Do, do you understand that? Right? Now, I'm not saying that because I'm a carnivore. Okay? I just happen to be on the right side of truth. So anyway. <laughs> now. Now, and of course, I understand now that, you know, there's a big move towards certain things, but I'm going to tell you the primary thing that, again, now, and, and honestly, with the foods it is today, the meats and different things, yeah, there are meats that you can eat, and the average meat that you'll eat would probably be more worse for you than better for you, just because of all the preservatives and all the other stuff put in it, right? And, you know, they say that it takes about seven to eight years for a body to decompose. Uh, well, I'm sure it's going to be... 20 to 25 years for most of us in this generation because of all the preservatives that we have eaten along the way, right? So, now, I can't prove that yet, but I'm pretty sure. But now notice, it says, it's to be received with thanksgiving, and it says in verse uh, 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. You hear that? Now, there you go. That's in, okay, end of story. No other arguments. There it is, okay? For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, watch this. He even goes on. If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, what things? 
the things he just listed. End times, this is going to happen. All this, they're going to forbid the marriage. It's going to be doctrines of devils. They're going to tell you not to eat meats. Doctrines of devils, they're going to sell. Isn't that right? He said, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. You hear that? Then he says, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto you have attained. Now, you have to realize, and I'm going to do a teaching on this because this has come up a couple of times now. There are, a, and I've said this before, and I know there's questions about it, so I'm going to have to teach on it, but there are many not just one, not just two, many doctrines, which I would call doctrines of devils, that are now in the church that have come in from Eastern philosophy and religion. And now they are practiced, right? Uh, one of them is veganism. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm, you know, I'm going to call it as it is. I'm just, that's just, you know, if that's your lifestyle, good for you, Right? But when you make it a religion, when you make it part of your faith in Christ, and you make it a responsibility, you have exceeded the bounds of Scripture, and you are giving, and that has just become a false doctrine. You understand? And you are exposing, you're, you're giving heed to seducing spirits, and you are actually promoting doctrines of devils. Now, that, that's one, right? And that comes straight out of Hinduism. Uh, so that's one of them. Now, there are many others. The idea of a, um, I don't want to say a vortex, but a... Even the idea of the portals has a lot to do with these things, mainly New Age, things like that. But then also the idea or the, um, this, and see, it's so amazing. Jesus said, if two or three are gathered together in my name, but look around, look at, you don't see the church believing two or three. What you see is we got to get everybody. We, and the bigger the crowd, the more faith and the more power. No, that's called a convergence of energy which is New Age and not just, well, I can't really say Hindu, but it's more New Age, but goes back to, uh, New Age is just old age with new terminology, right? It's been around, and what it was is, it's very similar to the prophets of Baal uh, when it, that Elijah went against, that they got, all got together, and they thought if they yelled loud enough and danced enough, they would get their God to show up. Do you hear another doctrine of devils that has come, become major in the church? See, if we yell loud enough, if we do enough stuff, if we, then we can call the power down. And what they do is they say, if we get enough people together, we, and they did this in the book of Acts. It says that they stood in Ephesus all day, the greater portion of the day, and they kept saying, great is Diana and all this, and because they were trying to raise the spiritual power of Diana over that area because Christianity was knocking Diana down. Right? And so you can see, that's three or four doctrines of devils that came from New Age or from Eastern religions right there, right? And so we have to be very careful. That's why you don't see a lot of the stuff. Um, we don't do those things, right? We believe where two or three are gathered, right? And so we, we don't have to get... Now, obviously, when you get... Well, let's, let's go from two different views. One is you get more people together. Uh, you have a stronger voice in politics, you have a stronger voice in a community. You show people. People can see a big crowd. You see two people walking down the street, two or three, you don't think anything about it. You see two or three hundred, you go, hmm, something's happening. Why? It's because the natural world has to see visual things. But in the spirit realm, you just need two or three praying. Is that right? So now, again, we have the right to do whatever, 
uh, in the sense of protest and marching. We got the right to peacefully assemble. That's why I'm back in the, uh, the, the March for Jesus that we're doing on October 31st. I plan to attend. I plan to be there with it because people, the world needs to see. Right. I, I love what OJ said a while ago. What a real peaceful gathering looks like. Amen? Amen. And so uh, there, there is that. But we, when we have the idea, now why would, why would a church, a church, want to gather a bunch of people and preach more, uh, the more people are praying, the stronger power there is. Why? Because more people means more money. End of story. And church is a business in today's world for the most part, right? So now, uh, but these are doctrines of devils that we would, I'll be looking at them going through and I'll show you the history of them. I can take it back. And then, and, and it, it, here's the thing. What starts as a personal decision, if it's a doctrine of devils and if it is a false doctrine in that sense, what starts as a personal decision all of a sudden now becomes a standard someone puts on everybody else. Every time, that's the way it works. Why? Because misery loves company. That's why. Anyway, okay. So, now, we are talking specifically, okay, that a thankful heart, now listen carefully, a thankful heart toward, okay, most of this were just scripture, but the part I wrote down, I wrote it down because God spoke it to me, and I want to deliver it exactly the way he gave it. So, a thankful heart toward God looks for every opportunity to express it. Now, now this is, I'm just, well, not making an excuse for it by any stretch. But let me give you an example. And I'll tell you why I know. I might, I might tell you why I know in a minute. Okay? If you stand in the halls during worship and you're not participating, that is a physical manifestation of the state and condition of your heart. Why? Because you're avoiding worship. God sees and knows. <clears throat> I have been able to worship in every country that I've ever gone to, many of them with, in other languages that I did not understand. And the amazing thing is, even if I didn't understand what they were saying, it was amazing how spiritually blessed I was being there because when they're singing in another language, you're conscious of it. And you're conscious of the language. You don't know what they're saying. Right. Which makes it amazing that you can be blessed and you can enjoy just the Spirit of God in their worship, even though you don't know what they're saying, but yet you still can enjoy it. So if you can do that, in, and you know, sometimes it's probably good that I didn't know what they were saying, because they might have been singing, you know, bring down the power, and, you know, all, who knows, right? But they were singing out of their hearts, and I, and I could in, move in and enjoy their hearts toward God. And I was worshiping God and didn't know anything they were saying. And so you don't have to know what they're saying because it's the spirit that matters. Amen? Now, in saying that, okay... Uh, let me ask you some questions. Have you ever been so happy or so thankful or even so in love that it makes you have some sort of physical manifestation? You ever notice that? I mean, think about that. You say, well, so in love. You know, you ever, when, when it's amazing to watch people um, in love, 
because they, a lot of times they don't care where they are, you know, and, and it's kind of like, okay, get a room, you know, <laughs> thank you, got kids here, you know, don't get carried away, that kind of stuff. But they're oblivious to whatever they're not in love with. Isn't that something? You know, the Bible says we are to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. Isn't that right? So that means that we ought to be able to stand and worship God in a group of two or three or two or three thousand and be oblivious to everyone else around us and not have to go with group hypnosis that waiting for one person to do something before everybody else does it. Is it you understand? And honestly, worship leaders should never have to tell you to worship. They should never have to tell you, stand up. They should never have to tell you, raise your arm. They should never have to tell you that. This should be happening. Why? Because of your heart. And if you're, let me tell you, and if you're thankful toward God, that's a, that's a normal thing. And you know, not just that, but you know, just a physical manifestation. For me, it's amazing when I, especially uh, during worship, the the number one thing that usually happens to me, bam, I'll start crying, start crying, tears, and it's not like an overwhelming emotion, but the tears will come. But I I do love God, and I'm focused on Him. But I'll, that's just what happens. And there's places a lot of times. You know, when worship is going on, that I'll walk in the door, and I mean, before I get to the chair, I'm already crying, and I'm looking for a chair. You know, I'm not thinking about oh, worship. Probably going to start crying. It's not psychosomatic, right? If anything, it's the opposite because I try not to do it, right? So, anyway, now, in today's world of entitlement mentality, like we said, gratitude, thankfulness, is almost unheard of which, of course, is a condition of the heart. Now, we just mentioned Timothy. So, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. Now, he's given a description of end times. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. You notice he's talking about a spirit that is causing these things, right? Look at the next one. Unthankful. Unholy. You see that? Unthankfulness is a symptom of the last days. It's a sign of the last days. And he says it right here. Unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, not been able to hold yourself back. Fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness. Oh, well, I pray for him. But denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now that's what the Bible says. And I don't know of any day in history that is more fulfilling of this scripture than we are living in right now. Might give us something to think about. Now, to 
going to finish up on this. Essentially, all sin goes back to selfishness. Basically, all sin, no matter what it is, goes back to selfishness. Selfishness and unthankfulness, unthankfulness, seem to always run together. And they have a close friend, jealousy. Where you see, now notice, where you see selfishness and unthankfulness, you will almost always, I would even say always, there might be an exception, but I'd say always, you will find jealousy. The most obvious sign of this is whenever you can't be happy when you hear about somebody else getting blessed. Perhaps the two easiest ways to spot selfishness are simply to listen to a person because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So listen to how someone talks when they hear that someone else is being blessed. Just listen. When they hear someone is being blessed, the unselfish, unthankful person will always turn the discussion back to themselves. Selfishness. I don't have that. I should have that. I deserve that. Okay, that's called entitlement. Okay. They'll say things like, well, why did they get blessed? Why didn't I get blessed? See, these are all just, and, they, and take away the word blessed. Why, why didn't I get that? Why do they get that? They don't always use blessed because when they do that, it starts reminding them of Christianity and they don't want to be, you know, anti-Christian. So, then they give their list of complaints about what they don't have. See, they don't, it's not just, well, I didn't get that, but I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have that. Now, watch this. <laughs> it's amazing. <clears throat> they give a list of what they don't have. In Mark eleven twenty two and 23, it says, Have faith in God and say what you desire to have. It does not. Okay, remember that. Romans 4, 17 says to call those things which be not as though they were, right? It doesn't say call things that are as though they are. And so you don't sit around, to, well, I don't have, I don't have, I don't. No, you turn around and go, you know what? Bless God. He's blessed me with every blessing in heavenly places. So I am healed. I am whole. I am blessed. I'm prospering. Why? And I can't help it because God has already released those blessings. He has said every good thing about me he can say. And he has already said yes and amen to every promise. And the promises are mine. So now I'm just going to dig in here and find out what's mine. And I'm going to start saying what I want instead of saying what I have. Or in, my, in many cases, what I don't have. Amen? So, now notice, the Bible tells you to call things that are not as though they were, not complain about what is not. It seems that the sins that God hates most have to do with the tongue and words. Because he lists those the most, right? Now, there's others, pretty bad, but he lists these the most. Murmuring and complaining cause the earth to open up and swallow thousands of Israelites, like we talked about. Murmuring and complaining are the opposite of thankfulness and gratitude. You cannot have thankfulness and gratitude and murmur and complain at the same time. It is one or the other. Now, like I said, finishing. This is the last part. Lillian Yeomans. How many of you ever heard of Lillian Yeomans? Right? Okay, not many, but okay. Well, you need to. We'll, we'll be talking about it. Lillian Yeomans, this is probably why you didn't hear about much about her. She, was, she lived from June 23rd, 1861 to December 9th, 1942. So elderly, right? Well, Dr. Summerall knew her, and he used to talk about her. And so, of course, he knew everybody. 
because he lived through the whole thing. You know, he knew all the greats, all these people. Well, Lillian Yeomans was a Canadian, like John Lake and like many other great preachers and ministers of the gospel, like Marty and Bridget, right? People like that. Well, but Dr. Yeomans was a medical doctor. And in her practice, she was so busy that she didn't have time to rest. So she started using morphine and chloral hydrate uh, to keep her going so that she could work long hours. And she became addicted. And because of that, uh, the addiction started wearing on her as it would and caused her to start going downhill physically. So finally, she reached a point where she said, I got to have help. So she went to John Alexander Dowie's healing homes in Chicago. And when she got there, she was well, I mean, this, we're talking a, a well-known, I was going to mention a doctor's name, but I won't. Anyway, a well-known doctor in the United States. She was known all over the country. So when she went there, she thought she would be greeted and taken care of, you know, a certain way. Well, Dowie didn't care for doctors much. And if you read his stuff, he's really pretty bad, pretty harsh toward them. But when, so when they, when she showed up, there was a woman there. She came and saw her and said, okay, come here. They put her in a room and left her there. And they said, okay, you're in here. You agree to this, this, and this. And she said, yeah. And so they shut the door and locked it so that she would go through all the DTs and all that kind of stuff in that room and had nowhere to go. And so she got upset because she thought she should be treated better, but she was left alone for a period of time. But the only thing in the room was water and a Bible. And so she drank lots of water, but she started reading the Bible. And God himself, nobody prayed for her. God delivered her from her addictions personally. And I won't say instantly, but it happened in an instant. There was a little bit of time there. She had to get rid of the stuff out of her system, but then he delivered her from the psychological and physiological actual addiction, right? So then she became an amazing woman preacher uh, in the, on the West Coast, and as she was preaching, she, uh, Dr. Summerall went out there in his 20s, and she was in her probably close to in the 70s, and he said that she would, whenever she, he would go to her house, she'd say, kneel right there on this rug, She'd pray for him. He'd say, all right, let's go eat. She would say, let's go eat. And so they would go out, and she, he'd say, what, what do you want to eat? I want a hamburger. She's an, almost an 80-year-old woman. Uh, she said, I want a hamburger. He said, you know, women your age are not. And she goes, well, you're, you're remarking about my age? <laughs> he said, well, I'm not trying to be rude. He said, but women your age don't generally eat hamburgers. And she said, why? He said, I don't know. They just don't do it. And she said, well, if, it, it's, if it's, she said, I, I'm already too old to die young, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Right? And so she would just basically uh, eat the hammer. And, but anyway, so he would talk a lot about her. But she, what she was known for, because she set up her own healing home. And what she was known for was this one teaching she did. And it was called the praise cure. The praise cure. And when people would come to her healing home, she would put them in a room by themselves. Wonder where she got the idea for that. But they would they'd put them in there, and they would give them instruction, and they would, put, they would give them the scriptures and say, now, you are to praise God. If you're awake, you're praising God. There's nothing else to do. Praise God. You can sing it. You can speak it, whatever, but you're praising God. They, she, they said, if you get tired and you can't talk and your voice goes out or whatever, you can't talk, then say it under your breath, 
but if you're awake, you are praising God for your healing. And literally, she had an amazing healing success rate by people. And when they came out, she'd say, your faith in God healed you because you began praising. They were praising God for their healing and thanking him with thanksgiving for healing them for the promise they give. Now, now, I want you to get that. They, that's all they did in that time was praise him for their healing. All right? Now, I want to give you the, the scripture. Now, all the people that went to her home also were turned away from, by doctors for being terminal and hopeless. So this wasn't just headaches and you know, backaches or something. This was, we're talking about serious cases. Now, close with the scripture. In Luke 18, 35, it says, And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man by the wayside, uh, sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive your, your sight. Your faith has saved you. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Notice the healing brought glorifying to God or glory to God and praise. While he was sitting there blind, nobody was praising God for his blindness. His healing glorified God. Right? Now, here's the thing. They were the... It's amazing. <laughs> Watch this. The same story is told in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Now that tells you that Mark was not written for Jewish people. Because if you read blind Bartimaeus, the word Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. So if you're Jewish, you don't need to say blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. So it means that Mark was written for Gentiles that didn't, mean, didn't know that bar at the beginning of something meant son. Okay? Now, so he sat by the, high, by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Many. But he cried the more a great deal. Smart man. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man. They who? The many that were telling him to shut up. So one minute they're telling him to shut up. Now they're saying, oh, Jesus is calling for you. Better go to it. <laughs> Amazing. Saying unto him, be of good comfort. Rise. He calls you. Well, a minute ago you were saying, shut up. Right? And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thee that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go your way, your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now notice, this man got Jesus' attention by saying, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy. And everybody told him to shut up. But he got louder. And he got so loud, Jesus heard him. And when Jesus heard him, Jesus said, bring him to me. Probably because it would have been hard for Jesus to get through the crowd. But those, then the 
ripple effect was he's calling for him. He's telling him to come. And so they go and get him and said, Jesus wants you. So then they bring him to him. And then he says, what do you want me to do? Now notice, first he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. That got Jesus' attention, right? Then from there, Jesus, once you got Jesus' attention, he said, what do you want me to do for you? Notice there's two parts. First, get his attention. Then he'll ask what you want him to do for you. Amen. Do you see this? Yes, now, you do have to remember, this is in the Gospels. It's before the cross. You are not blind Bartimaeus. You can never be blind Bartimaeus because now you're a Christian and Jesus lives in you. He does not have to call you to come to him or, you, or him to come to you, right? So now what do we do? So now this is, that part's already been taken care of. You've got his attention, right? You asked for mercy. You got saved. Amen? So you got his attention. He moved in. And then once he moved in, he says, well, what do you want me to do to fix this place up? And then, so now it's up to you to tell him what you want not what you got. See, that's what a lot of people, when, when they stand for it, sometimes I'll read the card and they'll say what they got and I got it. I, 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 and, but most of the time I don't really ask the person because I don't need a long detailed history because I have nothing to do with the healing. I just lay hands and believe and he does it, right? And he already knows, so you're not going to surprise him. Or you're not telling him the doctor's diagnosis. Make sense? So, there's really not a lot. Now, I'll read it sometimes, and it might give me something to focus on and release my faith for. But many times, people want to reiterate what they have rather than what they want. So if I say, what can I do for you? I want to receive my healing. Well, what can I do for you today? Well, I want my eyes to be healed. I want my back to be healed. I want what? Okay, not, well, you know, uh, well, it started, and then I got your history, right? <laughs> And what you have to realize is that three people down, there's a person that can hardly stand because they're feeling so bad, but then we want to talk and discuss and go into all this stuff, and I don't need that. Now, again, because of the culture we're in, we're big on customer service, and we want the right kind of customer service, and I get that, but honestly, all I have to do and what usually works best is simply me deciding Whatever their problem is, God's bigger. And when I touch them, according to his word, they're going to be healed. End of story. But I don't need to know what it is, right? You can't always know what something is. And, and you may have one problem. You may have ten problems, but you only know about one. And you can get healed of the one thing, and the other thing kill you tomorrow. And then people go, well, I guess that healing stuff doesn't work. Hey, it worked fine. They got healed of that, but the other stuff killed them. So we have to realize all I need to do is believe and touch or believe and say, this is why when I tell people and in the healing line, be blessed, just like Othniel was preaching today. That blessing, you see, I believe in the power of saying be blessed. That's why I loved it. I'd sit on the front row, Dr. Sumrall. All right, I'll bless you. Be blessed. And it wasn't just words. Something happened. Mm -hmm. And I got that from him. I learned that from him. And I learned how to release the spirit and power of God through a word or through a touch. And it, and it doesn't matter which. And honestly, for the most part, it's whatever I decide, however I decide to release it. That's what counts. And so sometimes it's a be blessed. And I'll tell people, be blessed in Jesus' name, be healed. And sometimes I don't even say be healed. I say be blessed. 
you can't be blessed and not be healed. You see, if you're blessed, you're healed. That's part of the blessing. And so, but people, well, he didn't say be healed. So would you pray for this to be healed? I already did. Blessed. Blessed is healed. Mercy was healing for blind eyes. Right? And his mercy endures forever. Amen. And his mercies are new every day. Amen. Isn't that right? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Right. What does that mean? Live in divine health. Yeah. Amen? Among many other things. Does this make sense? Yeah. This is, I, 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 don't, I don't want to be the guy. You know what I mean? I want you to get this. I want you to realize, because where you go, you can be the blessing. And you can be the blessing by imparting the blessing. Sometimes it's speaking. Sometimes it's actually digging in your pocket and helping somebody out. Right? Whether by word or action. You know, sometimes both. Amen? All right. So, thankful. Have a, have a spirit of thankfulness, of gratitude. Just being grateful. I am so grateful to God from where, where he brought me from. See, then when I talk ago about people in the, you know, hallways during worship, See, people forget, we got cameras here. We got cameras pretty much every room. And so, you know, we can, we can go back and watch them. We can see who's wandering the halls and who's wandering through the bookstore waiting for the worship to end. We see, we, we see that stuff. But before we saw it, God saw it. And you say, you say, Chris, you're kind of being kind of blunt and harsh here. Let me tell you, you know, you know why I can do that? Because I used to do that. I'd go to church, but I wasn't right with God. And, and, and it's amazing how when you're not right with God, you don't mind hearing preaching. The man, the worship, yeah, that'll get to you. Right? And so many times uh, I wandered halls of churches when I wasn't right with God. I wanted to be. That's why I was at church. I wanted to be right. But I hadn't killed some things. And, and, and you know, every time I start worshiping, God said, what about that? I'm like, you know, so I just try to avoid that part, you know. Because the preaching can be more cerebral, you know, more intellectual, more um, intelligence or whatever, and trying to figure things out. And unless it was preaching, you know, an evangelistic message that would just peel the heart open, I could get through it. If it was just knowledge, if it was just information, I could get the information and save it for when I got right with God. I know that sounds crazy, but that's why I can talk about this thing, because I've been there. I've done it. I know what it is. And I know that that means that there's a vacuum. There's a part in you that has not yet been given to God. And you know you should. And you know you want to. But you don't. And the real key is you might not be able to actually see yourself as free. So you never try to get free because you really can't. Well, I've tried it before. Well, I've given up, up, up before. I've said I'd never do it again. I, I'm tired of lying to God because I keep going back. No, no, no. Let me tell you, keep on knocking. Amen. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Because I can tell you, there will come a point when you are free. And it's good to be free. And when you're free, you're thankful. When you're free, you're grateful for whatever you got. Amen. Did y'all get anything out of this this morning? Amen. Well, so, Father, I thank you. Your word is true. I thank you, Father, that I have delivered what you gave me to deliver. And I thank you, Father, for how your spirit is working between the staff and the members of this church. And so, Father, we bless you and we thank you. And we say, Father, we have a thankful heart towards you, a grateful heart. And, Father, 
that we know that we, if we have not, we don't need to complain. We have not because we ask not. So, Father, instead of complaining, we'll start asking, believing, and receiving. So, Father, in Jesus' name, today, I bless these people, which simply means, Father, I agree, and I'm echoing the words that you said that they are blessed. They have been blessed, and we agree with that, and we say, so be blessed in Jesus' name. Healed, whole, prosperous, delivered, walking in freedom, walking in peace, walking in joy, walking in thankfulness and gratitude towards you and all you've done for us in Jesus' name. So be it. So be it. Amen. 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 All right. Well, now, if you have not given your heart, your life, I'm referring to, to Christ, and you desire to do that, then I want you to, and I'm not going to make it a separate thing. We're going to do it all at the same time. But uh, you can come forward, or you can even talk to someone. The main key is you just say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe you died for me. You removed my sins, and I make you the Lord of my life. And when you do that, your life will change. Now, you can also receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in other tongues. That's a gift to the body of Christ. Once you're born again, you can have that gift. And so he wants you to have it because you need it, to be honest with you. And so he wants you to have that. Now, you can do this, or, and you can also talk to one of our staff. They'll be glad to help you. They'll explain what it means to get born again. They'll explain how and help you receive uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so, now, if you need ministry for anything, literally, uh, any area, then you are welcome to uh, come to the front. My team will organize it, and they will put you up here, and then I will minister to you. But just please, again, don't preconceive how I'm going to minister because I'm trying to focus on what does each person need, and I want the Holy Spirit to direct. And some people might be a touch. Some people might be a prayer. Some people might be a word. You know, I don't know, and so don't try to set it a certain way. You know, when Brother Curry comes to me, let him do this, and that'll prove it's you. Now, that's called a fleece, and we don't, we don't do that. that you don't need that. Uh, secondly, you're gambling on how perfectly I can hear your will, and I'm trying to hear God's will. Amen. So, uh, but there you go. So my team will put that together, and we will be right back. All right? God bless you, and we thank you for coming, and we hope it's been a blessing to you, and uh, we will see you next week. God bless. Hey, guys. Hey, I just wanted to welcome you. I'm Curry Blake, uh, General Overseer of John G. Lake Ministries. We are so glad that you have decided to take the step to investigate life teams, becoming a certified divine healing technician, getting plugged in and taking the responsibility to enter into the life that Jesus has actually died to give us. So, the next step now, since you've come this far, is to simply sign up. That's how to get started. Just sign up. And when you do, now you're going to go and check your email box, and you're going to get instructions on how to become certified DHT, how to start a life team. Uh, but, you know, and, and maybe some of you are already within JGLM, and you're already a leader at some level, and you're saying, okay, why do I have to do this? Well, it's very simple. We're putting everybody into the same system so that it works like a well-oiled machine, like we've talked about because we want to make sure everything is working very well together. So uh, if you are an existing leader within JGLM, we can tell you nothing's going to change. We're just gathering the information so it's all in one database, and we are going to be able to communicate with you a lot better. This is, this is going to really solve 
the communication problems that uh, we've, we've had over the past. But it's a new day and you get to get right into it. So sign up, do it now, don't wait, do it now, and then check your email box. It's just that simple. So listen, I really appreciate this. Jesus appreciates this because you're plugging in and you're wanting to take responsibility. So I look forward to working with you. We're going to have a great time advancing the kingdom. God bless you. We would like to thank our partners and friends for making today's broadcast possible. If you enjoyed today's message or would like more information and resources, please visit our website at jglm.org. Rise up and heal the Rise up and be the light Rise up and fight the fight Come on and rise We've got to rise If you are considering partnering with us and would like to support our mission, please visit jglm.org forward slash partners. Proceeds will go toward the cost of the television broadcast and our mission work around the world. Visit jglmmedia.com to watch this program and more at any time. Subscribe for full access to our entire library, or you can rent, buy, and watch for free select resources. With over 700 hours of teaching to watch and more being added, we've got your needs covered.